What's up, fellas? Back again with another episode of LG Outsiders. This is another playoff edition. This is I'm recording the Wednesday night of all the Game 7s shortly thereafter. Had a really entertaining night tonight. Got to watch a lot of good hockey. Congratulations to all four teams that uh, had to sweat through a Game 7 and move on. This episode, I'm going to go through... Uh, we had the Control Center working overtime this week. I had me and the boys watching pretty much every game. I think we watched every game except for two, and those were games we couldn't find a stream for. I made game notes for every game of the, all the series, so I'm going to go over those, and then I'll get Jiren on the show to give his thoughts as well. And we are going to be uh, lucky to be joined by Augie98 this week. So um, if you guys have come across him in the league or uh, saw him on the Caps gaming stuff, you know he's a character, you know he can run, run the mouth with the best of them. So I'm really looking forward to getting him on the show. I think it'll be pretty entertaining. All right, so I'm going to move on to my notes. There's no particular order. It was basically just uh, all over the place. So I'm going to be bouncing west to east. Um, the first series I'll be starting with is Arizona-Seattle. So obviously this one went to seven. I don't think um, Seattle really wants to play too many tight series like this one, especially in the opener. Uh, 98 was spot on with his description of this uh, Arizona team saying don't take them lightly. Obviously, you guys know from the first two episodes of this uh, podcast, I was very complimentary of that roster in Arizona. I thought they had a lot of depth that could uh, really pose a risk to any team they faced off in the uh, playoffs. And Seattle Thunderbirds almost became a casualty of that, but luckily they, they stayed true. So we're going to start in Game 1, where Arizona's second line was matched up against Seattle's second line. And at the end of 1, it was kind of a barn burner. It was 3-2. to two. The score remained that way until midway through the third when Seattle scored to even it. And a few minutes after that, Arizona answered back with a game-winning goal with about four minutes remaining. So this was a massive opening game from Arizona. Arizona trotted out the top line in game two against Seattle's quote-unquote second line. Obviously, I don't really know who the second or the third is. I'm assuming this was the third line, but their team is so deep that they really have a 1, a 1B, and like a 2. So like they're stacked. So extremely tight game with it being 2-1 midway through the third when Seattle scored to make it 2-2 and forced overtime. It was a grindy overtime period. It appeared Seattle would be heading into double overtime with the power play. But uh, I'm not exactly sure who the right defenseman was, but they served up a miserable turnover, just a fucking pizza. I think Seattle was trying to do something a little bit more aggressive going into the period, maybe try to catch him off guard because the defenseman had a couple outlets and decided to go up the middle. Stuco stole the puck, had a breakaway shorty, and tucked it home for the OT winner. So that was probably the low point of the series for Seattle, even though they get to a point where they were down 3-1. I think that that second game was one that they probably should have had. They were playing pretty good hockey, like I said, power play going in double overtime. So to serve up a uh, shorty breakaway, that's that's crippling. Arizona's third line was up next. Uh, they had the tough task of playing Seattle's top line, trying to put them in a stranglehold, go up 3-0. But the, uh, the top line for Seattle was more than ready for the task at hand and just won the game 2-1. to one. It was a pretty vanilla game for this top line. I think that they did did more than enough to win and win by a larger margin, but they'll take the 2-1 win regardless. It was a big bounce-back game for Bardown Beauty after the first game. So uh, we got a 2-1 Arizona series. Game 4 saw the second line squaring off again. The game was 3-1 to one heading into the late third when Remy scored with like six and change left in the game to make it a really tight game again, so 3-2. And they had to, there was probably like three minutes left and the guys really had to go full tilt on offense. 
and Arizona capitalized and tucked in two more goals to make it a 5-2 final. So that game, honestly, was a lot closer than the score uh, score will indicate when you take a quick peek at it. With that game, Arizona went up 3-1. to Seattle was on the ropes, and you even saw in the chat SJU saying, like, hey, chill out, guys. Like, they had their top line for two more games out of the out of the remaining three games. So even he was aware of the task at hand for the Arizona boys, even being up 3-1. Everyone thought there was an upset brewing, but Seattle told everyone to pump the brakes on that a little bit because they came out in game uh, they came out in game five and scored in the first minute of the game. Corey Mack tucked one, definitely setting the tone for that game that they weren't going away easily. The rest of the game was honestly mostly a goalie duel until Seattle potted four third period goals in the last eight minutes, one from heroism. And uh, Corey Crow actually had a Hattie in the third period alone. So big showing by uh, Husky with the shutties. So that's a 5 nothing win for the boys in Game 5. Seattle was trying to scratch their way back with their top line going in Game 6. This was actually back-to-back games with Seattle scoring in the first minute of the game to put pressure on the Yotes. This time it was Jared bearing it. The rest of the game was all defense and the goalies were fucking stout. But Tuco uh, squeaked one 5-hole on a blast from the point to give Seattle a little breathing room. Seattle looked pretty poised tonight. That was the one thing I actually uh, messaged 98. I was just like, hey, man, like, good luck in game seven, you know, just because the guy's been a good friend of the show. And I just told him, I said, wow, you guys look pretty poised. I know that they, that second goal probably made them sit a little bit uh, a little bit more comfortable. But overall, I thought they looked pretty good. All right, so uh, although they were poised in those games, game seven might bring out the jitters, you know, so might bring out a different animal. The game seven lines were as follows. Uh, this is Arizona. They had SGAU. Stu, Devo, Boondock, Bomber, which shot the gate in the net. And Seattle had 98, Heroism, Jared, Luigi, and Bushwookie with Bardown Beauty between the pipes. So this was an extremely back-and-forth game in the first period and stayed at zeros heading into the second. More of the same in the second, extremely defensive-focused effort from both teams. 98 broke the scoring on a nice slide pass from Heroism, but the lead was short-lived as Arizona answered a minute later by SJU. The game seemed to be heading for OT, but Heroism called game and eventually, obviously, series, scoring on a nice feed from Jared to score the game's final goal. 2-1 win for Seattle, and they survived a scare in the first round after going down 3-1. So big series win for Seattle on to the next round. All right, next series I'm going to go to is Philly and New Jersey. JJR and the boys cooked up a stinker of a dub in their first game. I think they'd be uh, first ones to admit they were probably outplayed. They were out to 8 almost at a 4-1 ratio. But they got the most important stat, that dub. Cooked one up. Game two was a complete grind fest with friend of the program Fizzy getting gritty and scoring two EA beauties. Game two went to overtime where Burnsy scored the eventual game winner on a nice backdoor play from Danny Breer on the uh, they had a carryover power play 24 seconds into the into the overtime period to even the series. So quick strike and the game tied the series at one. Next game, New Jersey's top line came out hungry after not being able to break the seal yesterday offensively, so they went game one against that uh, JJR line, and the boys, you could tell, were super frustrated in the party. They definitely probably had some scoring chances they thought should have went, so they were definitely looking to get off the slide. So uh, a couple of these series had some big goals in the first minute. This was another one of those games. Big goal from uh, Snails, a.k.a. DeRozier's, to set the pace for New Jersey. This line was definitely putting on the offensive showing they thought they deserved to see a little bit of Sunday night and steamrolled Philly 6 to nothing, just a complete dominant performance. I couldn't find a stream for Game 4, but it looked like Philly's second line mollywopped New Jersey's third line, with LOL scoring three of the five goals. So even series moving on to Tuesday's Game 5, 
Uh, game five featured the RGD Burnsy Briere line for the uh, for New Jersey against the uh, Trazen Reggie No Thumbs line for Philly. The majority of the first period was spent in the neutral zone as both teams were fighting for offensive pressure. In the second, it was more of the same with New Jersey getting a little bit of momentum and a little bit more of a foothold offensively heading into the third. Sudsy broke the ice for New Jersey early into the third period. That was all either team would garner the rest of the game. This game could be highlighted by one man and one man only. That would be Reigns. This is why they got him. He was unreal the last five minutes on a flurry of grade A chances by Philly. And bested Holpe in a, in a really nice goalie showdown. So a big shout out for the Devils to give them the opportunity to close the game six. Philly's top line was out trying to push the series to seven against New Jersey's third line. The entire game was a complete grind fest. Both teams had a couple of chances to open the scoring, but nonetheless, we headed to overtime 0-0 where Philly cooked up a huge goal. So huge game seven was to follow. In game seven, New Jersey had Twist, Gruels, Burnsy, Duck, Danny Bree with Reigns in net versus JJ, Terry, Lions, Ray, LaFleur with General 420 in net. So while operating a penalty to come at the next stoppage, Duck ended up making a beautiful play at the blue line and fed one to Gruels for a nice low, low blocker snipe. That was right before the first intermission. So extremely defensive-minded effort from both teams the rest of the way as they combined for only five shots through two periods. So both teams, five shots. Philly only had one of those shots. The third was much of the same, and Reigns, uh, probably with like a minute or two left, started to just stand on his fucking head, just making completely crazy saves right on the doorstep. Stayed stout and got the dub, and Philly is earned, excuse me, and New Jersey is on to the next round. So on this one, I was pretty surprised to see it go seven, so I just want to give Philly with Ray... And JJ, those guys, a lot of credit for getting their team to play up to such a high level because uh, I thought they were outmatched thoroughly up and down the roster, and they made this, they made the entire series a super grindy affair. And uh, the boys played incredibly well. Definitely had an opportunity to win. New Jersey ended up uh, getting that top line to go in Game Seven, and that ended up being the difference. So, good showing from Philly. I know Ray said he might not be back next season. I hope he is. He put together a good team on the whim, especially considering where he was about a month ago as far as his feelings on his roster. So everybody on that roster should be pretty happy. They they played extremely well down the stretch for the owner and got this team and made a first-round series that many thought was going to be quick work, and they, they extended the series. So good job on those Philly boys, and congrats to New Jersey on moving on. The next series we go to is Boston and Montreal. This was also a seven-game series. The first game was very lopsided in Boston's favor, but nonetheless, we got some free hockey and a game one to enjoy. Dr. Trey had three points in the OT winner for Boston. Montreal responded in game two with their top line, taking a convincing 3-1 win over the Lavashkin P-Pass line from Boston. Montreal capitalized on two of the four power plays in that game, so Boston was looking to minimize the penalties, especially against any team's top line. So going to Game 3, Boston's top line of Didazo and CT came out buzzing and sported the 2-0 lead into the second, but Montreal chipped away and tied it up midway through the third. Then each team actually traded two goals late in the third when both teams opened up the offense a little, hit the gas, and we headed to overtime for the second time in three games. The overtime period was super tight, that's what she said. Didazo snuck one in short side to give Boston a 2-1 series lead. Top line was back out for Boston in Game 4, stacking them up, and got the first tally in the game. Game was really gritty, and Boston sported the one nothing lead going into the late third where they added another goal. Montreal tried to claw back in, but it was a little bit too late. Uh, they added one goal, and it was like with like 18 seconds left, so it was just a little bit of uh, too little too late. 
So big win for uh, Boston. Top line went 2-0. and So no stream for the next game. This is game five. So I'm just going to give a quick analysis of the game notes. We had Montreal's top line led by Gabsy winning the game 5 to nothing. Levesky and Verathi had four points apiece with Levesky scoring a hat-trick. Jiren's X-Factor Tool 12, a.k.a. Freestyle, had two apples and a plus five rating. I also noticed he was playing off-handed. Or I should say he was on the right side compared to where he normally plays on the left side. So Sorokin with a shutout to make his playoff save percentage at this point in the series 88% heading into Game 6. In Game 6, Montreal was looking to build off the big Game 5 win and came out motivated. The Habs were buzzing early, led by Duck against the Lavashkin P-Pass line, and they scored an early goal. They added a second goal in the second period and carried that 2-0 lead into the third period. With about 10 minutes left in the third, Dreamkiller took a weak wrister from the point that had some serious fucking eyes and it squeaked by SA Reflex to make it 3-0, and that's where the score would stay. So I just mentioned Sorokin, so back-to-back shutouts for these Montreal goaltenders. This one was by Shuda, and the Habs force a Game 7. Game 7 featured Jaff, Rippin, CT, KA2Good, Brendot, SA Reflex, and Montreal trotted out Gabzi, Laveshki, Duck, Dreamkiller, Tool, and Sorokin. Montreal wasted no time scoring in the first minute on a goal from Duck, and they followed up with another one 39 seconds later, also by Duck. So absolutely unreal start to a Game 7. Just really set the just set the tone for this Montreal team. The guys were buzzing, they were playing with confidence, and it showed the rest of the way. Levesky scored another one with a minute remaining in the frame to give the Habs a huge three-goal lead going to the room. That was all the Habs would need because Sorokin was playing at a fucking high level just like he had been in the previous games. Like I said, 88 save percentage up until this point. They ended up adding another one late, which is kind of in garbage time. The game ended 4-0. Sorokin was fucking unreal in the series. 3-1-1 with a 90 save percentage and a 1-5 GAA. So that guy, I mean... I think it's safe to say he won them at least a game or two just based on his solo performances. And uh, the Habs are on to the next round with a, uh, a pretty big upset. This Boston, this Boston offense was pretty, uh, pretty stout, and they got stumped. So This is one that a lot of people had pegged to go seven and could be going either way. I guess I thought it was going to be Boston series to lose. I really didn't see them losing. And I had made mention last week that I had a question about Boston's team that I was hoping to bring up at a later round. And that was their, that was their defenders. I thought that uh, they had a good 3-4 defenders, but I was really questioning the depth defense on this roster with a couple of the games being just big scoring just performances, I guess, against. I mean, even one of the games they won was a 5-4. Maybe that was something that uh, came to the forefront that I should have mentioned last week instead of sitting on it because obviously now now they're they're out. Huge win for Duck and the squad. Him and Dreamkiller really did a good job at the deadline, moving a lot of people to get a roster that he was very, very happy with. Like I know that he said uh, even the week prior when he brought in uh, Freestyle or Tool 12, that he was really happy with those moves as well. In the week following, he just continued to add off of that. So this kind of validates every move he made. He's into the second round. Huge upset. So congrats to those boys. Congrats to the Habs. Um, I think this Boston core is going to be, the majority of it's going to be intact going into the next season. I, I have no doubts we'll see this team come back and do big things again next year. The last series that we saw go to seven was Colorado and Winnipeg. Starting in game one, we had a low-scoring affair with Winnipeg taking a 1-0 lead late into the third when Colorado tied it up late with a nice play, kind of a broken play. Uh, we went to overtime where Sandoz Sparks scored the game-winning goal to secure the first decision of the series for Colorado. Winnipeg scored the first goal of game two, 
and Colorado answered promptly with a pair in the early second. Winnipeg answered with their own second period goal to momentarily tie it up at two, but Colorado scored one on the way to the locker room with 4.8 seconds left before the uh, second intermission. So really, uh, that's kind of a backbreaker going into the intermission. Winnipeg answered with a huge late third period goal, and they actually carried a power play into overtime, but Colorado weathered the storm, and Merds ended up getting the game-winning goal for uh, Colorado, giving them a 2-0 series lead, just absolutely huge. If you remember correctly, I did say Winnipeg will win the series, but if Colorado came out firing and won the first game or two, this had the ability to get flipped on its head where I could see Colorado winning. So like, I was very conscious of this team and their abilities, so... Uh, good to see this one go seven. It was a really entertaining series. Uh, every game was it seemingly was a one goal game, and it played like it. I mean, they were fucking tight games. The Vinny line was out for game three for Colorado. They took the lead in uh, the late first on a tip by Vinny himself. Winnipeg answered by a hell of a play. Um, this was actually started by Hart in his own end. He kind of got a fucked up animation in his own crease. Instead of panicking and hot potatoing, he just he just uh, he calmly passed it right up the gut. That ended up with Fisher tucking one home. It was a hell of a play. It was really dicey. I was I was like, oh shit! And then uh, he made it look pretty easy. Fisher wasn't done there, scoring the next goal for the Jets to give them the lead. But the Avalanche team, like I said, has serious fucking spine, and they tied it up at three and sent it to overtime. You could tell from watching Fisher's stream, the boys were pretty tense, uh, and they could breathe a serious sigh of relief after Hendry sniped one short side to end it. Jets' top line was back out in Game 4 and came out hot, scoring first, and then Taft went home basically on an empty net after a great four-check effort from Hendry. I mean, he, he uh, it was basically the Datsuk play in Nashville in the playoffs, just a quick stick lift, quick goal. It was before anyone knew what happened. So a good play on that one. A power play tally stretched it to 3-0 in the Jets' favor heading into the third. Winnipeg added another before Colorado broke up the shutty late. Uh, 4-1 game, tied series 2-2 top line winning both their games coming up big i couldn't find a stream for game five but this is just my uh interpretation of the game notes we had the top line of buddy wackett and karma beating the Corito line from winnipeg three to one um one thing to note throughout the series was i was surprised to see take get as much leash as he was based on uh how he had played in the first two games he ended up playing i believe uh I want to say he played four games, so that was pretty surprising to me. I'll have to go back and check on that one for when we talk with the guys later, but I just remember uh, looking at the game notes and was like really surprised to not see Hart playing more based on the uh, regular season split, I should say, too. So result of that game, like I said, was 3-1. to one. Colorado takes the 3-2 series lead. Winnipeg's second line came out firing against the Avs, scoring in the first couple minutes on a goal by Phils. Winnipeg added two more goals by Ducharlo, or Ducarlo, we'll say. One in the second frame and one in the third from him. Winnipeg added some salt in the wound with seven seconds left in the game to make the game a 4-0 final. Although uh, Colorado was severely out to 8 in this game, I honestly thought that they had probably the best opportunities in the game to score. Obviously, the score is not going to reflect that because it's a 4-0 game. But uh, anybody in that game will tell you that Colorado had two nets that were pretty fucking open that they missed and smacked the glass. But uh, that's just the fucking game, man. And uh, we go to a game seven. So the Avs uh, trotted out Kovalchuk, Karma, Vinny, Udamau, Muted, and Master Ted QC versus Hendry, McFlurry, Fisher, I'm going to say Algie, and Brando with Hart in net. Kind of surprised to not see M. Farah, but obviously McFlurry is a fucking great player. So, I mean, I guess it's not too surprising because he's, so, he's, he's really fucking good. Fisher opened the scoring in this one off a nice give-and-go to give Winnipeg an early lead. 
Kovalchuk found some space on a broken play and found the back of the net to knot it up at one. We got some free hockey in a game seven, which is uh, pretty fucking awesome. Uh, Fisher took advantage of a bouncing puck that he slid five hole off the backhand. Series Jets, Colorado played an unreal series, like I've been saying. It had a great showing against a very tough Winnipeg opponent. I mean, Winnipeg took everything they could get from Colorado and then some, but I mean, obviously, Winnipeg's such a talented roster. It's good to see them moving on, but I think Colorado for sure made a good showing. This is a good showing for Dunks. I know he's not going to be returning his owner, as you guys have seen in the forums. This was a pretty solid effort from Dunks. Um, this team he put together was pretty solid up and down, like I said uh, last week. Really good team vibe as far as this team goes. You never really heard anything too much about the guys uh, egoing dunks, especially coming in a compromised uh, situation at the beginning of the season. So good on Karma, good on Muted for helping him along the way as well. Great players, really helps giving him a, a nice backbone the entire season. So tough loss for Colorado, Winnipeg moving on. All right, so the next series is Minnesota and Chicago. In Game 1, Minnesota rode Coho, Fox, and Red Mile to a 2-1 victory over Chicago's third line. Big start for Minnesota as far as letting the Blackhawks know they weren't going to go down easily. Chicago rode the Rocket Line for Game 2. And uh, both teams really didn't have many scoring chances as far as volume, but Chicago is making the most of their limited chances at one point scoring on three of uh, their first four shots. So Minnesota had two shots going into the third and finished the game with three. So this was quite a game to forget as far as Minnesota's offense goes. A uh, huge bounce-back win for Chicago. Chicago's third line was back up in Game 3 against Yargage's line. Uh, both teams traded goals within a couple minutes of each other in the first period. Psychotic then scored a late second-period goal to push the pace for the Wild in a gritty game where Minnesota was being out TOA'd by a huge margin. Uh, when you were watching this game, it, it almost seemed like Minnesota was like under siege and they were kind of just like trying to hold on. Uh, they couldn't, though. The Wild couldn't hold off the constant Chicago pressure. Gave up a goal to knot it up at two midway through the third. That's where the score remained until Kesley snipes uh, and the Hawks pounced on a pizza that led to the winner. It was uh, it was it was not good. It was quite the pizza. So two games to one Chicago. A lot of the same in the fourth game from Chicago as far as consistent pressure from their offense with the second line of BK Headshot and Gustav. This uh, the Chicago defense as far as team defense was suffocating. We're obviously all very well aware of Chicago's strength as being the the back end. They have their top four is incredible, but the team defense from every line in this series was really good. And uh, obviously, even the game they lost two one game. I mean, every game was just low scoring. Their defense was suffocating. So huge props to Chicago. Back to the game we're talking about. Game four, they carried a three one lead into the third with the Wild starving for scoring opportunities and just shots. Honestly, this goes back to the defense. Uh, Minnesota only had three shots going into the third. Uh, Chicago added another goal in the third and locked up the dub. Minnesota really needed to try to find any offense if they wanted to have any opportunity in game five. Uh, they finished that game with four shots in the game, just simply not good enough. Minnesota came out and grabbed the first score in game five, and it took Chicago's second line quite a while to answer until about the late second period when Elevate tapped home a, uh, the old pass on pads play. The old, uh, it was just a turd on net that he just tapped home off in the rebound. It was just a uh, classic NHL 18 play. Uh, good, good to see it's still very prevalent even on top teams. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do when you need a goal. This game headed to overtime where Trash Panda tucked the game-winning goal, sending the Hawks to the next round. I honestly thought, based on 
how the first four games went offensively for Minnesota. This was a, this was a very good showing from them. They played a very good game. Asinato did a, a great job of spelling Jonesy and that and kept the game tied after allowing the early one and really giving his team an opportunity to win the game and also the series. All right, so a few closing thoughts on both of these teams as one as uh, Chicago moves on and Minnesota goes to the golf course to join me where I already have the mixies going, four fingers, Tino 45 cal style. Um, so I think Minnesota has a really good core. They have two defensemen uh, as far as Syke and Okua. On Actually, now that I think about it, I, I literally think they have five defensemen returning. So just going into the bidding with that, that's a great starting point. I think you'll see uh, Yargage go big on some forwards next season. I think uh, this series will definitely be indicative of what his plan will be as far as upgrading this team, maybe in some acquisitions before bidding, and then his bidding uh, as far as uh, strategy goes, uh, more more money on forwards and everything like that. But overall, he's got a lot of guys on multi-season contracts. He's got a solid core. I think he's got a bunch of his guys that he likes and trusts and has loyalty with. So that's huge. I think that they uh, made a good showing in this series. They had a couple games get a little out of hand. But um, overall, can't really be mad at it. The guy made the playoffs when probably nobody was expecting his team, especially after how poor they did last season when he took over. Uh, really good showing just to get to the playoffs. So tough tough draw getting this uh, Chicago team. They're just a juggernaut defensively. And then uh, moving on to Chicago, obviously their top four, led by Dowdy and Lemlin the management duo, and then they have Tayer and um, Jurdubs. So those guys really set the pace as far as how that team plays defensively. I think all the forwards bought in, and they played a really good team defense. I think they can almost look at this uh, series as a tune-up. This team has uh, bigger aspirations, as you heard Dowdy talk about. Um, they're not looking forward, but at the same time, they, they understand the expectations with this team. I will say that I'd like to see... Um, some other contributors offensively rather than Rocket. I think this team has guys that are capable of doing so. Guys like Gustav, guys like Headshot, guys like Bonnell. Uh, a guy like Bonnell, man, like I had him on my team and I played World Juniors with him. He makes like a play a game where you're just like, dude, where the fuck did that come from? And it's just like maybe a little bit more consistency can really help that uh, third line uh, as far as an offensive uh, output. Yeah, I think just a little bit more offense in the next series. I know that uh, they had a couple games where they put up four, and I know the one was 6 nothing. but uh, these D-men made a couple of those games, one-goal games, and with a guy like Jonesy, too, he's a fantastic goal. He can play at whatever level he's feeling that day, I guess you could say. But uh, get these guys a couple-goal lead as far as uh, on the back end and the goal, you make the game a little bit more comfortable for everybody involved. All right, so the next series is Toronto-Tampa Bay. A lot of guys very familiar with each other in this series, so it made for a little bit of uh, banter beforehand. But um, what a dominating, perhaps shocking 6-1 Game 1 win by Wes Gilbs and Unique over Tampa's third line. That's led by Ice Cream Truck and uh, BTW. Those guys have been stellar all regular season, and I was kind of surprised to see them come out in Game 1 and just get steamrolled. But uh, the same line from Toronto followed it up with a 5-2 win over the 4th and Stasny line. Big kudos to Slim and Marshan for slowing down that Tampa Bay offense. Those guys played very well in both uh, games one and two. I thought they were really solid. And uh, yeah, big game from uh, big games from West Gilbs and Unique as well. So big two nothing lead. Obviously, the NACL coming into play. Shocks, Blur, Augie not available Sunday night. So 
it's just one of those things that we talked about in the previous episode. That's something that people had to prepare for. So I can almost assure you knowing uh, knowing shocks, and we're going to be talking with Augie later, so I'll pick at his brain a little bit. But uh, I almost think that they were just hoping to split just based on them not being able to play a game when they're getting the first match. But, uh, yeah, I'll wait to hear from them. Jared and I had said last episode as well, we had anticipated that line making some noise in a game in the series. I had them uh, losing in five. I'm talking about Toronto. I had Tampa winning in five. I thought it was going to be uh, a one game early, and then it was going to be they were going to lose like a tough, like stressful game later in the series. They ended up stacking them games one and two, coming out two and oh, so good for those boys. So this kind of set up the stage for uh, Rhodes and Jiren's, I'm doing air quotes right now, X-Factor as far as Devin. Tampa came out buzzing with Whiskey getting an early tally in Game 3. Huge save on a breakaway from Dumpit to keep the game from getting tilted early. It was a, uh, he just read him the entire way, so big props to him. That was a good save. Really could have, that game could have got really fucked up early. Uh, Shocks added to the Tampa lead early in the second, and the Bolts never slowed down, coasting to the Game 3 victory with a 4-0 score. Game 4 was more of a grindy affair. Uh, going in the late second with King Natsu making huge saves to keep the game scoreless. I thought Natsu had a great showing uh, in a couple of these games in this series, especially this one. He made some big fucking saves. So, kept the game scoreless. The Bolts scored once in the third, and that was all they needed. Uh, we've talked about this guy. This is kind of an underrated acquisition by these guys, but he's been playing at a fucking unreal level all season. I knew him down in the AHL when he was playing for San Antonio and Corrito and all those boys, but Pugarino was fantastic in this uh, series. He edged out Natsu in a one nothing goalie battle. This evened the series at 2. In Game 5, we had the Devin and Rhodes line again, matching up with the uh, Tampa Bay 3rd of uh, BDW, Ice Cream Truck, and Reek. Tampa notched the first score in this game in the first period with a goal by Ice Cream Truck. He followed that up with a late second period goal as well to give the Bolts a 2-0 lead heading into the third. Toronto was able to cut the Bolts lead in half, but it was way too late. Great game from the Tampa blue line of Gray and Don Juan. Another biggie, like I just said, giving him props, sucking him off again. Pugarino, great job. The Tampa third looked way more like them normal selves in this game. Uh, as far as controlling the flow of the game, you're playing against some of the better forwards uh, in in the game in Rhodes and Devin, and they really controlled the pace in this game. So, Tampa's second line was matching with Toronto's third line in Game 6. We had Jordan starting the scoring for the Leafs, and the Bolts answered midway through the second, and then the game got into just a fucking grease fest. So both teams were defensively responsible all game, but Stasny found a small opening and took advantage of a... Uh, a loose puck and scored the game-winning goal with 40 seconds remaining in the third. 2-1 was the final of Game 6, and that secured a 4-2 series win for Tampa after going down 2-0. So, like I said, I'm going to leave this one up to uh, mostly Augie. When I talk to him, I'm going to have a lot of questions for him. But I can almost say that these uh, these boys were expecting a split, and there was no panic in these guys winning four straight. So, really good to see those guys move on. As far as Toronto... Um, I'm curious to see what happens in the offseason. It doesn't seem like Devin's going to be coming back with the application for owner after taking a quote-unquote do-nothing GM position this season. He wants the reins back. So uh, obviously there's going to be a bit of a split up in there. Maybe he brings somebody with him. I'm not really sure how that's going to work. As far as uh, Wes and, and Gilbs, they got guys like Rotes. I think Rotes is on a two-season at 9 mil. So... They have some guys coming back. I think they're going to revamp the uh, second and third lines. I think they have a couple pieces that they're interested in re-signing. But uh, as far as for next season, you're going to see guys like uh, the core, 
the core be there as far as like Slim, Rhodes, uh, Wes, and Gilbs if those guys choose to come back and we'll see a lot of new faces for this roster. All right, guys. So the next series, we go to Carolina and Pittsburgh. Carolina and Pittsburgh played an extremely entertaining game one. Both teams were trading grade A scoring chances, but Busy Bounce and Maisie were making some unreal saves to keep this game a lot closer than it probably should have been. Uh, this could have this had a barn burner written all over it, but the goalie stepped up big. Carolina edged out Pittsburgh in a 2-1 uh, tight game one. And then Jay Claus and his line took care of business in a much more expected fashion, winning 4-1 in game two over a depleted Pittsburgh second line. Neck opened the scoring early in uh, game three for Carolina and added a second before the first period was over. Jakku scored on a wrap early in the second and for all intensive purposes put a wrap on game three and presumably the series. Uh, no Bodie to be seen at this point yet. I thought that was an odd choice from Pittsburgh not to roll them in game three against the top line and it showed to be costly uh, with Carolina absolutely throttling Pittsburgh's third 8-1 to one, and holding them to zero shots well into the third period and, and uh, just for good measure they fucked up the shutout on their first shot of the game just of course. So then we had the uh, the Bodie line take the ice for the first time in Game 4. They definitely seemed to come out motivated knowing that they had to play desperate. They grabbed an early goal to try to set the pace of the game. They ended up tacking on two more in the second. And were getting the majority of the scoring chances and really driving the pressure all game. Uh, the third saw Carolina score two goals to make it probably a, a butthole clencher for the boys. But they lived to fight another day. Game 5 saw Bodie's line and Jay Claus's line uh, scoring off. Each team scored a goal in the first. That's where the score remained heading into the third, even though Carolina had significantly more opportunities. Even had one get stuck on the goal line sub-10 seconds left in the uh, second period that I was shocked didn't go in. I don't know what the fuck happened, but uh, that that definitely made the third pretty pretty gritty. And it was tough sledding for both sides, and the game seemed destined for overtime after that close call. So just before we got there, Pittsburgh took a crucial interference penalty that would give Carolina a power play opportunity that would carry over into the beginning of overtime. Immediately after the Penguins killed it off, the Canes followed up by taking their own penalty. And then in the midst of killing that penalty off, Pittsburgh took another penalty, which gave us a little bit of four-on-four hockey. And uh, it really made the beginning of that overtime even more pressure-packed for the guys trying to extend the series. And even the guys in the 3-1 driver's seat, I'm sure they were still like, what the fuck is going on? So I believe Jay Claus scored the game-winning goal, but uh, Bodie's stream cut so fucking fast, who knows? Uh, Carolina wins the series 4-1. to I did go back and check the game notes. It was Jay Claus who scored the series-clinching goal in overtime of Game 5. So a couple thoughts about this Pittsburgh team. Obviously, Bodie and Kovalchuk are fantastic players. I think uh, if they come back, they're going to be doing a little bit more as far as getting better depth players. I understand they had two of their guys banned, and it's hard to account for that in a week eight. At the end of week eight, you just can't. That's that's really tough to recover from. But these guys should be able to attract uh, some top end talent to come play there, want to play there, and I think they'll be back and reloaded next season. I believe this is Bodie's first season as owner. Pretty good showing. Tough, uh, tough draw getting Carolina. And I do think even in that one game that they won, uh, talking about Pittsburgh, they they looked great. I mean, that line was humming. But um, obviously everyone's concerns all season was that they were scrub hunting and that they weren't going to be ready for playoff hockey. That game five, uh, Jay Claus's line just really slowed the game down, and you could tell the boys were a little uncomfortable with playing that style. But um, I think next season they have enough to build off of, 
as far as getting there and uh, getting to the dance in your first season as management where they'll be motivated to make the necessary upgrades to get back there and then want to have a prolonged run next season. So so really not uh, expecting too much to change from these guys as far as uh, their level of play, and I'm sure we'll see them back. Um, as far as Carolina... LGHL Stanley Cup champions. Come on now, you didn't think I was going to get a fucking J-Claws thing in here without doing something from the WWE or UFC. Every time I fucking think about that, it runs through my head. (laughs) Sorry, had to do it. Back to talking about Carolina. They got a lot to look forward to. I think uh, I mentioned the other series that went five games as far as Chicago, treating it as a tune-up. I think this was even more of a tune-up series as far as for Carolina. Like I had mentioned, uh, Pittsburgh's just th- those two. Uh, those two bands are just that's just devastating to a team's depth. Really fucks up any chance of matching. Um, <clears throat> so I think Carolina has a really strong squad. Not surprised to see them make short work of the Pens in this one. I think moving forward, we're going to see them play uh, some closer games. That eight-one going to obviously be the uh, the outlier in many series. But uh, Jay Claus and the boys, um, obviously they've they've been there, done that. So. Expecting to see more of the same of them moving forward. I think this team has a conference final written all over it. So we'll see what happens next round. All right. So the last series, and certainly not the least, is Vancouver at Edmonton. Um, Just a huge win from Vancouver's third line in the first game of this series against Edmonton's top line. Definitely made me eat crow on my comments from last week saying that I thought Edmonton's top line is the real deal. Uh, Just an absolutely massive opening game. 5-2 5-2 W. Uh, game 2 was a bit of a grind fest. Vancouver had a 1-0 lead. And then two soft goals for uh, Edmonton ended up deciding Game 2 in Edmonton's favor. So 2-1 win for Edmonton. Also, I wanted to uh, call to attention, pretty much give everybody a warning. If you're in the playoffs, uh, go, go no notifications because we have losers like this right eye, whoever you are. You're a fucking loser for spamming Ego Killer the entire like end of the second and the entire third period with messages. Like you're you're literally a fucking loser, man. So um, if that's someone from the other team, please don't continue it. I'm sure these guys will be no notifications from here on out. But that was fucking bullshit. So um, going to game three, Rivster opened the scoring in the mid second after the majority of the game prior being an absolute battle for the neutral zone. Uh, I gotta, I gotta give another shout out as far as to streamers, Lynn Gross's Johnny Drama ask war cries after the goals are fucking hilarious. It scared the fucking shit out of me because I wasn't watching his game at the time. I was watching another scream, and uh, R.I.P. headphone users. So I was paying attention for the second goal. It was a bit of a gritty soft goal for Vancouver. And uh, another case of tinnitus recorded somewhere compliments a linger because the dude went all fucking out. Uh, Edmonton cut the lead in half on a power play goal. The Knucks then grinded out the 2-1 win to take the same uh, lead in the series. Edmonton's third line was matching with Vancouver's second line, minus Breezy, who was serving a one-game sussy. We had Bryson replacing him as an ECU. Vancouver scored a greasy goal to open the uh, scoring, and Edmonton answered with two power play goals to take the lead, but only for a quick moment because Vancouver drove the net hard and got another gritty goal. This series wasn't pretty as far as the scoring, but it was pretty uh, it was pretty playoff hockey-esque. There was a lot of fucking shitty goals going in. The second period then became a bit of a track meet with Edmonton scoring on a tip. 
Then maybe a minute later, adding a shorty from Trick 9. After the two tough goals, uh, Belfort really settled in and fucking shut the door and allowed Edmonton to even the series at 2. Vancouver came out with the early goal from their second line in Game 5 with Breezy back, matching up with the Oilers' second line. Carm had a huge game with three goals, and even though Balfour uh, didn't really find his form in this game that he had the night prior, he was good enough to get the boys a dub thanks in large part to a solid team effort on defense. Uh, game 6 featured Edmonton's first line against the Canucks' third line. Obviously, this was the matchup in Game 1 where the Canucks won. Vancouver struck first early in the first with Edmonton tying it up midway through the second on a one-time blast from Volcom. The third was a very back-and-forth affair with Edmonton eventually wrapping up the series-clinching game on a fucking beautiful passing play from sharpshooter Volcom and finished off by Dax. This is kind of what I was expecting to see from this line. That passing play honestly was really nice. It was definitely the best goal of the series. Um, Edmonton wins the series 4-2. So a couple quick things about Vancouver. I want to give Daddy Rides Bike and Manning a huge uh, shout-out for having a great season. DRB, uh, going through my owner duties, I didn't really know him prior, but, man, he's, he's fucking salt of the earth. This is a good fucking dude. He built a team. He tried to build a team like I wanted to build as far as good dudes just playing some solid hockey. I know he had a couple guys that maybe didn't buy in fully, but nonetheless, he made a playoff squad. He had good people on that roster. He's got my boy Naibo there. He's got, like, he had Manning come up from the A, which I always want to see those guys come up after, you know, me making the jump. I want to see more people like me do it. I think he had a good first season, definitely probably enjoyed himself being management. They have a couple guys. They got Lingros. Uh, I know that they had wanted him. He's a good dude. Fucking hilarious, like I said in the stream. That guy's funny. They also got uh, Rogers from Vegas, which is another guy I knew they wanted. And he was really good down the stretch for them. They got him on another season. So that's a big piece moving forward. Naibo's on a two-season. They got pieces coming back. So I think this team will really be able to reload. DRB had a good season himself personally. So that's good to see. Maybe attract more people that will give this guy an opportunity. Because let me tell you, he's, he's one of the fucking best guys you could talk to. One of the best guys you could probably play for as an owner. So won't be surprised to see Vancouver have another solid season next season. Um, Edmonton, I think moving forward, it gets extremely tough for this team. I think they played probably the most similar team to themselves in the first round, which boded well for them as far as getting out of the first round. But now it gets extremely tough. This is where their depth is really going to get tested. I don't, uh, I don't know who they're playing. I haven't looked at matchups because I wanted to wait until we, uh, started going over them with the guests and Majiran. But, uh, I think, um, I'll need to see a lot more from the first line as far as consistency goes. You can't have a stinker to open up the series because it could fucking cost you the series. So if these guys are going to come out game one or two again, really need that sharpshooter Volcom Dax line to grab an early game, really set the tone for this team moving into uh, round two. They have an absolute anchor of a goalie in Tex. They have good defense. I think they have solid players up and down the roster. I just, I, I'm, I'm questioning their ability to uh, match up. So, I don't think that they're a bad team by any means. I think that they've had an incredible season, super consistent, really unexpected. But I think that they might just have a, uh, they they might just get a, a short stick in the next round. All right, boys. So that completes the round one recap. A little lengthy. Had about forty six hundred words in a word document as far as uh, my notes for all the games in the series. So definitely just wanted to share them with you guys. Uh, sound 
like I knew what I was talking about. I watched, like I said, pretty much every fucking game. So to the best of my abilities with four screens, I mean, obviously I'm going to miss a goal here or there. And when I hear it go off, I see who scores it and takes note. But I was doing a pretty good job as far as watching it. And I had the boys with me flanking me as far as feeding me information. Shout out Goomba. Shout out Glex. Um, so we actually had, um, dream killer reach out to me as far as wanting to hop on the pot. He's, he's said he listens and everything like that. So I was really happy to hear that, especially after those guys, uh, upset Boston. So I'm going to have dream killer and duck on, which I think will tie in nicely. Cause like I said, we're going to have Augie on those guys will be playing each other next round. So I'll have those guys in Friday because tomorrow is the NFL draft. I have the pleasure of being a diehard Detroit lions fan. It sucks. But tomorrow is my fucking Super Bowl. Um, they're going to fuck it up. We have the third pick. They're going to try to get cute and just fuck it up. If this team, this franchise is full of people that think they're the smartest people in the room. Uh, it's a recipe for disaster when you're actually just a fucking dumbass, which I think Bob Quinn has shown he's not very good with his first round uh, maneuvers. So I'm really anticipating my heart getting ripped out tomorrow. I always tell Goomba, who I've made uh go on this crusade with me of being a shitty lions fan well being a great lions fan for a shitty franchise i mean they're, they're fucking awful but uh, i always tell them that uh, the lions deal in the currency of hope tomorrow is the highest it'll ever be and by the end of the year i will be bankrupt so um jiren might be doing the interviews with those guys on friday by himself because i will be self-wallowing and emo as fuck because i i just know boys i know they're gonna fuck it up so you're gonna be able to hear this retroactively you can hear how cautious i'm being i fucking can't i'm i watched fucking draft day today i told the boys i'm trying to set the mood trying to like <laughs> i watched draft day with kevin costner it's a terrible fucking movie it's so goddamn unrealistic and i'm just so excited for this draft and i'm gonna get fucking crushed i just know it so i'll see you guys friday all right do you feel better about the lions pick now that you got to sleep on it i i never like hated the pick i just wanted to trade well, down. Like, like, the I, situation I being, yeah i was being selfish like i wanted to trade down get the same guy and get another asset the part that killed me is when Schefter came on the fucking TV and said they had no offers it's bullshit they were talking to three teams you're telling me they're not going to offer anything in conversation Right. They're not just going to call and be like, like, hey, we want three. Okay, like, what are you looking for? The Lions say something, and they're like, well, that's too much. How about this? Just, like, in talking. Like, that's an offer. Like, so to say, like, there's no offer, that's stupid. Yeah. But, no, I like the player a lot. I think he's really fucking good. I just wanted to take him at, like, five. That's fair. At least you got the player. You knew you were going to get the player you wanted. You know what I mean? No doubt. Like, they they didn't really fuck it up. It's just they got kind of stuck, which sucks but whatever it's gonna be okay hopefully all right boys like usual i'm joined by uh asap jiren what's going on buddy just snacking on some pizza buddy how about you mm, we both got the same pizza last night buffalo chicken let's get it <laughs> let's go all right so um what we're gonna do is we're just gonna give a quick uh, breakdown of our predictions for the second round i'm gonna have you start let's start in the west so i'm gonna start at the west the top of the west bracket we have the Seattle Thunderbirds versus the Edmonton Oilers. So the Oilers beat Vancouver in six, which was a game shorter than I originally thought. And Seattle looked to have a little bit of a tough time against Arizona. So um, obviously the Thunderbirds are the still the overwhelming favorite. I believe on the site it was like 90% Thunderbirds. Um, I actually still picked the Thunderbirds in six. I think um, you know Edmonton can squeak a win or two out. I mean, they're not a bad team. 
they got over 100 points. But uh, Seattle, I feel, just outmatches them, and they are going to take it in six. And for the bottom side of the bracket, between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Winnipeg Jets, I have Chicago in seven. That's not a testament to Winnipeg, you know, not having a good first line because they're great, obviously. But I think the defense on Chicago would carry them in that seven-game series. I also think, you know, Winnipeg had a bit of a tough time with Colorado. Obviously, Colorado is no slouch of a team. Um, I actually predicted that to go seven, and it did. But I do think that Chicago will edge them out, and you're going to see a back-and-forth series, Chicago uh, taking it in seven. Yeah, okay, cool. All right, so um, for Seattle and Edmonton, I agree with you. I have Seattle in six. I just think that um, Edmonton, this is too too tall of an order for these boys. Uh, this is a really tough task pulling this uh, Edmonton or pulling this uh, Seattle team. I think it just comes down to depth. I think uh, Seattle just has way too much depth, and uh, they have too much top end talent too. Just like that's the one thing that I thought got Edmonton over the top in their first series against Vancouver. And I don't believe their top line is, I mean, I think they'd be comparative to like Seattle's 2B. So, and that's not like Edmonton's fault. Like the Seattle team is fucking stacked and Edmonton's had a fantastic season. I think they just come up against an opponent that's just clearly outmatches them up and down the lineup. And I think Seattle will win this series four games to two. I wouldn't be shocked if I saw it go uh, in five. Or maybe shorter. Who knows? I'm not. I'm not going to predict a sweep. I hate predicting sweeps because I think every team that makes it to the playoffs has a right to be there and is going to show up. But yeah, I do think Seattle uh, make quick work of uh, Edmonton, and then we go to Chicago in Winnipeg. I also had Chicago in seven. I thought the uh, the deciding factor for me was the the Chicago top four being able to play in four of the first six, and then obviously like having their top line be able to play in a game seven. I just think defensively Chicago is so fucking stout. And I'm also making this pick contingent on what I talked about in my recap. I'm expecting a little bit more consistent uh, output from one of the uh, lower two Chicago uh, forward lines. So as long as one of those lines performs, I think this team has all the ingredients in the recipe as far as beating the Winnipeg Jets. Um, as far as Winnipeg, I, I do have a couple things I want to watch. Hendry and Fisher gave Jonesy more than enough shit in the Caps gaming. So if they were to uh, hang a five or six goal game on Jonesy, I'm sure he's going to hear about it. So I think that Winnipeg, to have a chance in this series, has to come out early mm-hmm. and come out fast. I do think that they have two top lines, and that, that should help. I just think that you know the Chicago defense is so good that it kind of uh, neutralizes them. But like I said, it's a, I, I have it going to seven games. I have Chicago winning, but if you're picking a seven-game series, you, you're pretty much anticipating it being a coin flip, honestly. Yep. All right, so we'll move over. Yeah, yeah. I just both teams. That's a really tough one. That there's there were two matchups in this one that were just like coin flips for me. And yeah. The site pretty much reflected uh, my feelings on the one, and then the other one. I was pretty surprised to see Chicago as overwhelmingly uh, as as the overwhelming favorites on the site. Nonetheless, we'll move oh. to the East. You got yep. something else? Yeah, I was just going to say, one thing I will say, though, is defense tends to win championships. Um, So that's kind of what made me side with Chicago in that aspect of it. Yeah, for sure. That was was pretty much the entire reason I picked them as well. And I'm still banking on one of those lines performing. So if they don't, then I could see Winnipeg winning it. And I I, I don't know if Chicago's top line, I don't know how they're going to do 
the jumblings, but I'm sure it'll be Dowdy, Lemlin, and Rocket. That's a really fucking tough line to beat. Yeah, so we'll just move back over to the East year and go go ahead with your Eastern predictions. Okay, again, we're going to start at the top of the bracket here with Montreal and Tampa Bay. Um, Montreal, congratulations on upsetting Boston. And I believe that was six games. No, that was seven, seven games. Seven, yeah. <clears throat> Montreal, congratulations on upsetting Boston in seven games. Oh, um, if you think I'm editing think... that, you're fucking, you're crazy. <laughs> no, you gotta edit that. I no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Keep going. So anyways, Tampa Bay, I have them just in six. I just think the team overall is significantly better. I think they're a taller task than Boston was. So, you know, it took seven games for Montreal to take over Boston, and they did do it in a uh, dominating fashion. But I just think Tampa Bay's depth will outmatch Montreal's depth, and I have Tampa Bay in six. And for the flip side of the bracket, for the New Jersey Devils and Carolina Hurricanes, it was 50-50 on the site. But honestly, I looked at the site. It didn't really make um, too much of an impression on me. And I know both teams' top lines are really good. They're very good, both teams. But I, I do think that the Hurricanes have better depth. And I think that's what's going to carry them to the win in this uh, series. And I have the Hurricanes in six Okay. the Devils. Okay. So I will go back up to Tampa and Montreal. I agree with you on this one as well. I have Tampa in six. What it came down to for me is just overall depth. This uh, Tampa team is much deeper. Montreal played a top three offense in the first round, did a pretty good job of slowing them down. I'm not sure they can do the same thing in another round against what I would say is probably more uh, higher notoriety players. Um, I think that this uh, uh, this Tampa Bay team has uh, three incredible lines. I think the first game for the BTW ice cream truck game uh, against Toronto where they lost 6-1 to was kind of a fluke because when they played later in the series against Rotes and Devon, they absolutely locked it down, and I think that's uh, more of what we can expect to see from them. So I don't think we'll have a, a stinker from either of these lines because I know fourth line had a stinker in game two as well. I think these guys are going to come out and play a lot better hockey, and I just think uh, I just think Tampa just has too much uh, skill for Montreal. I think Montreal's top line gets both wins because that Gabsy Levesky Duke line or Duck. I keep saying Duke. I hate when I do that. I think that's a top. I think that's a really nice line. Uh, they went three and zero in the previous series, so they're gonna really have to ride those guys hard. Maybe early they get a couple wins, try to put the pressure on Tampa. But I, I do think Tampa weathers the storm. Next we go to New Jersey and Carolina. I actually have New Jersey in seven. What this series came down to for me was New Jersey's second line against Carolina's second line. I think both of these teams are just like hoping the third line split. And that'd be best case scenario. Obviously, both teams have incredible first lines. That goes without saying. We have uh, the Phantoms line for New Jersey, and then we have the J. Claus Jakku line. So those guys are those guys are more than uh, playoff tested. They've played a lot of meaningful hockey within LG and outside of LG. Those guys are going to do their thing. I think it's going to come down to a game seven. And that's where I give uh, New Jersey's Game 7 line a slight advantage just because I think they have the better goaltender. I think um, Carolina was trying to do a swap at the uh, the deadline. It's worked out so far, but I will say that I'm going to give the edge to Reigns in a Game 7. The guy played unreal in that Philly series. 
really keeping like they were zero zero games and ended up being one nothing games. That's that's some fucking playoff hockey shit where you can really lean on a goalie to win you a game. I think they're gonna need Reigns to steal a game and it'll be in game seven against that top line from Carolina. Yeah, I uh, definitely agree. Goaltending is a huge thing. From those Carolina lines, I just think they, uh, I think they're gonna pull through in six. I do think that I can see the third line. Um, obviously, you want the third line to split, especially when you line match against the first. Yeah. Um, I I can definitely see if they do the first versus third, uh, both first lines going two and zero. But you never know; stinkers happen. Um, my gut told me Hurricanes in six, so I went with it. Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't be shocked either way. They're the uh, defending Stanley Cup champions for a reason. J. Claus builds good teams. I would give the slight advantage if we're just going line to line. I would say Carolina's third slightly better. So if they were to win a game and maybe steal a second game, that could that could be the deciding factor in this series, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it go the way you're saying. But uh, I'm just going with the chalk, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's gonna get to a game seven, just based on line matching, and then uh, like I said, slight advantage New Jersey. So what's that give us? We all had we had the same in three of them, and then the only one we yep. were different on was that last one, New Jersey Carolina. So you and I are both right. projecting Seattle in six, Chicago yep. in seven. Tampa in six, and then you have Carolina in six, and I have New Jersey in seven. So I have projected two yep. game sevens. You have a game seven. So that'd be pretty sweet because uh, when we were watching all the games last week together with you, me, Guma, and Glax, that was a lot of fun. And that that uh, yep. that one night, the Wednesday, where uh, they had all the game sevens, that was a lot of uh, that was a lot of fun watching those games. Wish they could stagger. I understand they have esports, but goddamn, yeah. that was pretty tough to have all four games going at the same time. Based on how they like flipping back and forth, yeah, especially considering how nice they staggered them the rest of the first round as far as east and west. I really enjoyed how they did that, and then to kind of have Wednesday just be like, "Hey, pick a game," but luckily we had enough resources where we were watching all the games. Okay, shout out Goomba and Glex. Yeah, yeah, I already shouted them out. I actually forgot to shout you out, but that's because you're uh, you're the co-host, and I was going to bring it up anyways. But um, yeah, so we're just going to take a couple minute break here, and we'll be coming back with an interview with Augie. All right, guys, I'm pleased to be joined by Augie98, owner of the Tampa Bay Lightning. You, Blur, and Fourth Line led the Bolts to a 57-14-11 record, good for uh, 125 points and a first-place finish in the Atlantic. This team has arguably one of the deepest teams uh, in LG this season, probably only rivaled by uh, that of Seattle. You guys made some great off-season moves, bringing in your hidden potential teammate, Shocks, from Toronto early to really firm up this team's foundation heading into bidding. This team hit the ground from there and started rolling and never really seemed to slow down. Welcome to the show, man. <laughs> what an intro, Yeah, huh? I gotta, gotta Thanks, butter Matt. you up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. You guys have been killing it this year. I've been uh, tuning in quite a bit. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. It's appreciate a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess we'll just get right into it. Um, you guys made very few moves this season. I was very surprised when I went and looked at all your transactions. Really, honestly, probably only about four or five that had any real uh, weight. Were there guys? Uh, were the guys you got just guys you knew would fit into your scheme, or more so educated guesses just based on like the team you had in place? Uh, yeah, I think I got to credit uh, my AGM fourth line uh, for that. Uh, he's kind of been around quite a bit, and uh, you know, he he said we didn't really want to switch up the core that we had. I think uh, the one guy we did get rid of was was Lions. Yeah, uh, that we've kind of he we've had for a while, and uh, he's a good buddy, so we kind of had to do what you had to do in that case. But, you know, fourth line said he like knew these guys and, you know, I, I trust that he does his research. The guy's up until like 5am doing whatever it is he does. So Dude, he fucking um, grinds, but, man. 
Yeah, yeah, quite the AGM to have, if you ask me. Yeah, so uh, a couple of the guys that I was referring to as well, you already mentioned the one with Philly where Lions went the other way, and kind of a guy that you guys, I don't even know if you guys really pumped and dumped him, but a guy that I thought was going to be a pump and dump uh, candidate in uh, Reggie Kush. But, uh, like, guys, you guys got early, like, ice cream truck and stuff like that. And then you guys actually made the uh, ballsy move to swap both goalies uh, deadline weekend. How, how, did that, uh, how did that sit with you? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anything against our goalies. I just think sometimes it wasn't working out, right? I think the team and the goalie have to fit uh, together. I, I Jam was a really good guy and, and everything, but sometimes you just need – to make sure the goalie fits with the team, right? And and I think we've got two guys now that we, we have in that and we can trust. Absolutely. So uh, who are some of the guys who have been here a uh, majority of the season that you think were much bigger parts of the core than you had anticipated? I know you have the came everywhere with guys like fourth and Stastny and you had potential guys, but who's one dude you maybe were not anticipating uh, contributing as much as they did? Well, I think I'd be crazy if I tell you at the beginning of the season that BTW and, and his line would have 19 wins and he would have, what, 88 points or something like that. I think uh, I, I think we knew we got a good player for, for cheap for our third line, and we were happy with landing BTW, but I, I don't think we expected 88 points out of him for sure. Yeah, that line was fucking something all season for you guys. Buzzing. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh... – First off, what was your guys' mindset in the previous round going against a Toronto team that you guys are like especially familiar with as far as guys like Shocks coming from that team and a few of those guys playing with you guys and some of your other guys in the past? Well, it's crazy because uh, if you look at the rosters, I think we're a combination of Toronto and Tampa uh, the past like two, three seasons. I think either, I think like half of our rosters have played with each other or were on the other team and uh, played each other in the playoffs or something like that. So. I think in terms of familiarity, I think <laughs> I don't think it gets more than that, uh, uh, to be honest with you. So we're I, don't, I didn't really like it, to be honest with you, because um, I don't think I don't think there's an advantage to playing somebody that knows how you guys play, especially when I think we kind of had more of the top talent than they did. So I think they could have played us a way that we're maybe not comfortable with. And I think that was more of a disadvantage for us. Absolutely. So when they kind of did their free fall in the standings, you were probably not too happy to see that you guys got them for the opening matchup. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I personally kind of got fired up a bit because I was like, well, look, like we're a pretty good team. Like, are you sure you want to be purposely losing games to play against oh, us? Oh, you're, you're saying one? they purposely so, lost to play you boys? I think I'm, I'm thinking – I I heard them talk in the chat box a little bit that they they purposely wanted us for whatever reason. Fuck. I saw in the shout box someone had said, "Oh, well, we we got wrecked by Philly or something, so we preferred you guys or New Jersey." Sorry, they yeah. got wrecked by New Jersey. We prefer Tampa. I was like, okay. Fuck, well. man. Interesting. Very interesting. That's that's a tough look, especially when they go up 2-0, wanting <laughs> the smoke, and then you fucking mm-hmm. shoved it back. Oof. Mm-hmm. So uh, one thing I got to ask here was, uh, are there any friendly banner besides what we saw with you and Blur giving Devin shit about leaving the uh, head potential? A lot. That was actually probably one of the most <laughs> talking I've ever seen in a, a pre-series, uh, uh, just going back and forth with uh, guys like Fox, Wes, Gilbs. They were all on us for, for uh, pretty hard. I think uh, they kind of attacked fourth line a little bit more. I think he's a little easier to get into his head, and uh, they know he was making like lines and stuff, so they're trying to get him to make a bad decision, and it's all part of the game. I think if anybody knows about shit-talking being part of the game, I think it would be me, so... Yeah. 
uh i think i think it, it's all for fun like we're all good buddies and stuff like that but it was a good time yeah all right so uh how was the mood after going down to nothing um i don't think it was too bad they had their first line out there um they i did expect uh, our other lines to at least get one of them um but at the same time when they waste their first lines two games right away and and we had our favorable matchup i thought and i don't know i still trusted the team i think it, it is what it was, but I, I still trust it. Right, so you guys are pretty confident nonetheless, knowing that you your top line could play three of the remaining games as well, probably two, right? Exactly. I, I think we were very confident in our two games for sure. And if it went seven, I don't think they – I think they could have gave us a hard time, but I don't think that's what they wanted either. Um, so if you do the math, I think we were getting our two. I, I could have trusted other two lines to get one win at least. For sure. Now, in uh, contrast, how was the mood after completing the comeback and winning the series? Were they pretty pumped or just kind of business as usual? Um, I'm, I don't want to like sound like a little A's or whatever, but it, I don't think we were too pumped, to be honest with you. Um, I think we kind of expected to win. Um, so I would go with like business as usual, I guess. But uh, it was a good series. I mean, you're always happy to win, right? Winning is what you do. Of course. But uh, we've got a goal to like win the Stanley Cup, so... We're going round by round. Right. So if you guys obviously have those aspirations and everyone's aware of that, then you know this is just a stepping stone. So it's good that the boys didn't get too hype. Exactly. Uh, not too high, not too low. Exactly. Right? All right. So now we're <laughs> going to look ahead a little bit. Uh, you guys are playing a Montreal team coming off a big upset win over Boston. What are you preparing to see from this Habs team? Yeah, this is an interesting team. Um, again, I think I'd be lying to you if I thought we were going to play them. Um, but if you look at their team – they don't have probably the guys that stand out to you too much in terms of names. Um, obviously, they've got like Gabsy and, and Duke and stuff, but I think what's kind of scary about them is is Sorokin. Uh, I think we're all like are well aware of what he can do and when he's feeling good, and they they don't give up too much defensively. Uh, you got guys like Dream Killer who will just stay back and play D for you. So uh, I think they're gonna try to make us beat them, kind of thing, and uh, rather than coming out to beat us if if that makes sense yeah for sure so uh what's something that you guys do well that'll pose a risk to the Habs I think we have just three lines that just play the same uh we might I know we have uh our HP line or whatever is very well known but I think the other two lines play just like us uh if you look at last uh series we actually switched the other two lines halfway through it so uh, and people kind of thought that was like a panic move, but I don't. I, it wasn't a panic move. We have uh, guys that just played with each other all year, so I think being able to rotate guys in and out uh, kind of like gets rid of any like we don't have to worry about line matching. You know what I mean? I think we have three lines that can come at you no matter what we get, especially with the availability we might have. Yeah, what a luxury to have, and that's actually something that I made note of too because you guys are very confident. Like you said, you just mentioned you weren't expecting that from BTW and those guys to begin the season but now you have the expectations and you know how well they can play. So having them as a third line and I'm doing like little air quotes is a fucking weapon. Yeah, no, they've been great. Uh, especially, especially when uh, other lines are struggling. I find we have lines step up, which is, which is nice. Uh, very timely step ups. So good, good for it. Absolutely. All right. So you guys have a top flight offense. You guys finished top three in the league and you just mentioned Sorokin. So you're very well aware of them. But the Habs goalies, uh, including him, obviously, and Shooter, have been playing very well thus far in playoffs. Any plans to get them off their game or just trust the offense uh, to be there like it will be or like it has been all season? 
Um, yeah, I mean, the team as a whole kind of got hot towards the end, too, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you do got to be aware of it. Um, like I said, they're going to make us beat them. Uh, and I think that's pretty big with their goalies. They're, I don't think their goalies are going to give us too much. I don't think they're going to overcommit to, like, certain things. But I don't know. When you're being uh, attacked for seven seven games of a series, I don't think uh, I don't think your goalie will make them all, right? Right. So you're just going to weather the storm, expect him to take a game, maybe two, whatever, and then just fucking just pounce. Yeah. Yeah, we won't be too worried about it if he steals one or two from us. So I wanted to ask you about your mindset on playoffs with the NACL going on at the same time. Was that tough in the first round, trying to focus on both esports and your uh, NHL team? Uh, Yeah, I think especially with uh, hidden potential. I think it's very uh, known some of the struggles and maybe outside attention that we're kind of getting right now. But um, I I think the rest of the guys kind of do a good job kind of letting us know that it's not the same, right? Like, you play on different days. Like, we played NACL on Sunday, and then we played our LG games on Monday. Like, they, when we kind of joined the party, it's it's we're talking about LG, we're talking about other stuff. Like, we're not worried about what we're doing in the other series and stuff like that, and we usually get a warm-up game in and stuff like that. So I think the other guys do a good job kind of, like, getting us out of that mindset. For sure. It's good to be able to separate the two. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm not expecting you to predict your own series. You can if you'd like, but all good if you don't. Uh, do you ca- uh, do you want to comment on yours first? Um, sure, I will. I'm not too worried about that. Um, like I said, I think all three lines, uh, I expect them to win every game they're in. So if that's the case, I think we should win in four. Right? <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a bad prediction at all. <laughs> that's not a bad prediction. There we go. All right, there so go. Uh, you care to comment on the other three series as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, so looking at the other East um matchup carolina versus new jersey that's like quite the matchup i think um new jersey is such a deep team i i think when you're looking at like top teams you mentioned us in seattle i think new jersey's got to be up there um but but i think carolina's got got the names though you know they've got jack they've got josh busy bounces unreal goalie in the playoffs guys won like what three times now or something yeah what a fucking steal good good job bobby you idiot good for them (laughs) (laughs) good for them um but if I'm going in that one, I got to go with the names because I think it's going to go seven. Uh, I've got to go with Josh and Jack and Busy. So I'll give it to Carolina in seven. Okay, perfect. Uh, out west, uh, I don't. I mean, good for Edmonton on winning. I know Arizona gave Seattle a tough time, but I think Arizona was kind of built to give them a tough time a little bit. Um, I got to go Seattle pretty quickly. I'll give I'll give Edmonton a game maybe. <laughs> like no, no offense to any of the guys, but Seattle's such a good team. So I'll go with Seattle in five. Uh, but my favorite series is actually Winnipeg and Chicago. Talk about a bunch of special players in that series, huh? You got like Fisher, Fisher Hendry. You got the, that defense in Chicago with Lemlin and Dowdy. Uh, that's going to be my favorite series to watch personally. Uh, but I'll, I got to give it to the defense, and I'll give it to them in six. I don't think Winnipeg's kind of got the defense to, to keep up with Chicago. Perfect. Okay, so I think we were... I think you were right in line with everything Jiren said, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. really? I think the only one was <laughs> close, you were you were there a little we bit go. more cutthroat than us on the uh, Seattle Edmonton. I think we both gave Edmonton two games. So uh, I got I got a boy there. I couldn't I couldn't uh, let him go yeah. down. The stud. I see. I when I was kind of looking at, I was going back and forth between five or six, but I did pick five. I it's tough. It could go either way. It's NHL, right? And, yeah, you know, oh, there's yeah. some good players in Edmonton too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So uh, one thing I got to ask you just before I uh, – <clears throat> um, I don't know if you saw the questions that Shai had prepared, but um, I know we talked before 
about uh, a trade with the player you have right now on the roster, uh, Greggy. You know, uh, we talked before about sending a couple TCs. Uh, do you regret <laughs> not taking that trade last season and hanging on? Or... Uh, yeah, Greggy. Uh, so I wanted to draft Greggy when we had our okay. pick. Uh, I kind of got out manned on that by the owner last year. Um, Greggy's actually kind of like a, a good buddy of mine right now. So uh, I wanted to pick him up because I knew I could trust him to come back. And I think he... Uh, I think he's a good player right now. He's a good D-man, but I think he can be a lot better. Uh, maybe in the next season or two or something like that. But he's solid. So when I got the offer of a couple TCs, I don't know if I could have done that. Ah, oh, man, I should have done that Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. There's sometimes when he'll, he'll, uh, he'll come after me after a game about just being upset about a loss. And I'm like, look, man, I can trade you for a TC right now. I want to be <laughs> right down Holy to the fuck. Like, his ego <laughs> it'll hurt yeah, his ego it'll hurt me but i can i can get another guy it's not a big issue <laughs> oh my God. so uh one one here one more before you uh do that question jerry yeah. i know you're you're an a quality shit talker but uh at caps <laughs> um some of the best shit talking was from uh hendry and fisher to jonesy do you think mm. we'll see some of that in this mm-hmm. series i hope so i hope Man, so they were I fucking think, feeding uh, him <laughs> it was a good time. It was all fun. I think I think uh, Jones kind of gets a, a bad rap a little bit. Uh, I think people see his Twitter account and see uh, some of the things he says and thinks he's someone that he's probably not. He, he's actually a pretty good dude, but uh, I think I think that's a one good scenario where I think shit talking worked very well. You saw right off the face off, Fisher was like, "I'm gone" or something like that, and you know, it's just I think it worked out well for them because resilience is a good team, and I, and I think the shit talking kind of brought it entourage to another level a little For bit. Sure. So I wish you the guys the best of luck facing off against Montreal. Uh, it should be back and forth, or not really, I guess. <laughs> no, <laughs> Tampa and four, I guess. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah. um, but <clears throat> I hope you guys go the distance. And before I let you go, i got to let you defend yourself from the Caps gaming slander from Shocks and CT. Do you have anything to dish on those guys? Yeah, so th- actually, I'm kind of glad because this is a little overdue because right after you guys did that bonus episode, uh, my teammates, at least I thought they were my friends, uh, come on here and they start throwing me under the bus about being a little bit of a social butterfly, maybe enjoying ourselves a little bit too much at the hotel. But I want to say, and it's actually Josh and, and Papa Shex came on too, and they kind of threw me on our bus a little bit too. If I led the activities at night, they weren't. Those guys were not very far behind. <laughs> you know, they they didn't. They were not innocent bystanders in anything that was going on. I will say that. So they made you the scapegoat for the or the fall guy. Yeah, exactly. I think I got kind of slandered there a little bit too much. Oh my. So, uh, kind of touching on Caps a little bit now, I guess, we've had the last two questions. Uh, how was that event overall for you? Did you really enjoy the competitiveness of uh, a LAN event with your opponents being right in front of you? Yeah, I think that was that was my element for sure. I think I was very comfortable, and, and, and honestly, it's 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 it looked great. I rewatched it a little bit. Uh, it looked great, but it, honestly, like, the cameras couldn't get what how, like how great it really was. Uh, hanging out with everybody in the hotel was unreal. The way they set it up, they, they treated you like you were NHL players, pretty much. Um, you know, the hotel was great. The media day was sick. I think you guys saw the videos yeah. or, or whatever they put out. It was unreal. And, and it's kind of an experience that um, I want to do again. Uh, I had a ton of fun. That was actually the start of my spring break, too. So Holy it, fuck, it was, what a I bender. had a ton of fun. Yeah, I had, I had quite the week, for sure. Uh, but... 
honestly, I, in terms of um, if I think that it'll happen again, um, honestly, I'm not really sure. Uh, I think it takes a lot for an organization to do that, uh, but I hope so because uh, it was it was great and and being next to the people you're playing against is, is unlike anything really just being able to shit talk and look at their face and stuff like that is just like something you've never really done yeah, that's video, what i was about right? to say i know people are going to say it's a fucking video game but those competitive juices had to be fucking flowing I, no definitely i don't i think i think uh my little finger wag thing kind of got like oh uh, i, I grilled your ass a little on bit that. i'm not gonna much. lie <laughs> <laughs> kind of got put on display a little too much i didn't start it and it, I, I guess they didn't show the other guys doing it but um no it's unlike anything i know it's just a video game and nhl at that and we weren't playing for we were playing for a good amount of money but nothing like life-changing but it was just so much fun so uh obviously it's a little bit different with like you know being in person do you think you know, like you can talk shit on a mic, but you, you know, you're behind a screen or whatever. Do you think being in person mm-hmm. and just being like, "Hey, fuck you," like, <laughs> do you think that yeah. really had an effect on some of the guys there? No, definitely. I think um, people. I think the people were very loud. Um, I think some people weren't who they usually are. I don't think, but everybody was so nice in terms of as people. Uh, but I do think when you're kind of getting shit talked to your face, uh, some people maybe aren't used to right. that. Maybe. Uh, so I think that did affect people. I mean, you guys were talking about how Jones was getting yelled at. I think he would uh, tell you pretty. I think he'd be the first one to tell you that that affected him a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think. I think it has to, right? No doubt. I know when Entourage scored with like five seconds left, and they they got up at the same time. I was like, and they kind of pointed at me pretty uh, pretty quickly. I was like, oh, boy, <laughs> this, is, this is tough. This is tough. Jerry, could you imagine me <laughs> at that fucker just spiking controllers? No, no, you'd have another broken. Oh hand. my god. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it was a great event, and um, obviously we had touched on a couple things that we'd like to see if there is another future one. I know that I've heard from some people that there's a couple organizations thinking about doing it, or they're at least you know kicking the tires on it. I would love to see this become more commonplace. I think you guys did a very good job as far as representing the community. I think, honestly, uh, based on some of the characters that were there and like some of the personas, I think you guys did a really good job as far as uh, smoothing over maybe some of misinformed, like you said, some people have a, a, a pre a preconceived notion based on what they see on LG forums or Twitter or something like that. I think you guys all did a good job, especially with the, uh, the camaraderie aspect that all of you guys have touched on. Yeah. I think that was kind of a big thing that we all talked about. Um, maybe at the very beginning, I, I landed late, so I don't know. I know they kind of hung out a little bit before I got there, but, um, that was kind of one of the big things we kind of said when we all finally kind of got together, which had to be my room, right? I needed like 70 people in my room all weekend. Cause that was great. <laughs> But um, I think that was one thing we wanted to say, like, look, like, you don't want to ruin this for everybody, right? Like, just because you might not think it's a big deal or, like, you're not having a great time. You don't want to ruin this for people that want to do this in the future. You don't want to ruin this for, um, just, you don't want to ruin, you, you're, you're kind of like the face of sixes, I guess, at this time, uh, which I don't know how big of a deal that is to anybody. But uh, you just, you wanted to represent yourself uh, pretty well, too. So I think... Everybody did a good job. I think it was actually kind of unreal because the night after the games, uh, I kind of thought it'd be kind of quiet because of how much people were kind of shit talking each other. But everybody kind of got together that night and, and still hung out and kind of laughed and had a good time about it. Perfect. Jaren, you got any last words for uh, Augie here? So um, one more question for you about the Caps. I know this was supposed to be about the NHL. We but, had to give um... this man a chance <laughs> to defend himself. <laughs> I, know. I know. Just just with everything going on, you know, uh, would you like to see maybe 
a more extended series. Cause I know like the Can-Am stuff like goes like it's ridiculous. It's like two two whole games for one game, and then it's like a best of twenty five. Uh, maybe not necessarily to that extent, but if they did do something like this, would you like to see extended series, or do you think it's fine the way it was? Like as in like the semifinals and finals? Yeah, I'll yeah, to... maybe like. Yeah, so Can-Am was a bit of a bagger. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't think they should do that. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. in terms Dude, of when we were there, month. yeah, that yeah. was. <laughs> It was a bit much, but um, in terms of the, I don't, it's tough to say because I'm not gonna lie to you. Those games, I know they're only what like 15 minutes on the the clock and stuff. Those Maybe games, for you, we're taking penalties, man. They're fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> when you're there and you're on like that land thing, those games felt like very long. Like those are like you're sweating, you're doing a lot. The room's hot. Like people are like yelling, like. Maybe no, I I kind of like the format how it was best of three best of five. Um, depends on who you ask, I guess. I'm sure Resilience would have liked the best of five. I'm sure Phantoms would have liked the best of five. But um, I like I said, those games feel like they they feel stupidly long when you're in them. So I I don't think adding more would have been that good. I think it went really well. Perfect. All right. Well, man, uh, I know we got a little off track as far as the Cavs thing. Definitely felt you needed to have a platform to uh, talk about it based on uh, CT and Shocks wrecking you. But uh, I hope you guys uh, take another step towards your ultimate goal, and I hope we get to hear from you more in the future. This was really fun. For sure, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, Anytime I'm around if you guys need somebody to jump on. All right, boys, uh, I'm pleased to be joined by Duck and Dreamkiller of the Montreal Canadiens. The boys led their squad to a third-place finish in the Atlantic Division at a record of 44-30-8, catching fire late in the season, allowing them to get that positioning in the playoffs. This had them uh, set up for a round one matchup with the Boston Bruins. Bit of a tough draw considering just how consistent the, the Bees had been all season, and the Habs had a tall order slowing down a Boston offense that was top three for goal scoring on the year. Huge upset for the boys in round one. Welcome, fellas. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely, boys. So we'll just get right into it. Um, all right, guys. So first off, what was your mindset going against the Boston team that many had picked to uh, make quick work of you guys in this series? Was it a one-game-at-a-time mantra, or were you guys looking ahead at a probable matchup like later in the series as far as like trying to position your team to win the series? Uh, pretty much. like Our mindset was like one game at a time since the Bruins were like a really good deep team. Uh, and they were led by two good players in Rippin and K. Um, and I'd say like, it's pretty normal that like people pick them to make like quick work of us since they were like, they, they've been cup contenders all season long. What about you dream? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, we were just taking it one game at a time and, uh, we knew we were going up against a very deep, very good team, Boston team. And, um, uh, you know, we knew we would have to grind and, you know, that's what we did. We got it to go game seven. We felt confident in our top line versus their top line. And, we're able to pull off a good win, so <clears throat> on to the next round. Absolutely. So, uh, how was the mood uh, after going down three one? Were you guys so confident you could pull it out, or did, uh, or at least make it go the distance, or were you guys a little bit uh, down? Obviously, you guys pulled it out, so you couldn't have been too down. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, after the third loss, like some people, like in the in the, our Discord, were going after each other, which is normal. We have a really competitive squad, and but also like. 
our leaders and league veterans, like let's say Stai and like Gapsy, um, were able to calm the chat down, which was pretty nice to see. After that, like our team was really positive going into these next games. For sure, that's huge. Yeah. This is where Jiren as Dream Killer. I'm sorry, I was just waiting for Dream Killer to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, was the, I was going off the first question. I thought you were going to uh, ask me, uh, you know, after he was done. Just wanted to make sure. Oh yeah, no, my bad, my bad. Yeah, I was just waiting for your response. But uh, okay, so Dream Killer, uh, anything from your perspective? Um, I mean, yeah, with what Duck said about the locker room, but I mean, overall, the locker room, I'd say in these playoffs, they pretty much came together at the right time. And, uh, you know, we were down 3-1, but we, we wasn't wasn't the end of the world. You know, like we, we had confidence in our lines that we were going to throw out that series, you know, the last two games to try and force a game seven. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, the boys, <clears throat> we won game five and we were very hyped up. And then game six, you know, we just went in there with a lot of confidence and um, we pulled out a big win. And then heading into game seven, it was just, you know, a lot of, I felt high. like, there was a lot, yeah. I felt like there was a lot of momentum for us, and uh, we were really excited for that game. So, uh, we, you know, we played a great series the last three games. After going down three-one, the last three games we had three straight shutouts. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. was great That's team, huge. great team defense, great team, great team play overall, really. Yeah, you kind of mentioned it there too. Uh, when I watched all the games with the boys here, and uh, I said it in that game six, and then obviously it carried over to game seven. You could tell you guys were playing with some serious fucking confidence. Oh yeah, definitely, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, speaking of guys having confidence, Gabsy had a huge series for you guys going three and zero in the series. He started the comeback with a big game five victory with Leveski and Verathi. And then was a big part of your Game 7 victory with both of you guys and then Levesky in freestyle. How big of a player has this guy been for you? Because he had a hell of a year. Oh, yeah. Gabsy has been, like, a big part of our success this season. Like, you know, it was my first season, but, like, he trusted me and he's been huge for us. Like, he's a leader in our team. Guy wants to win. Like, we can tell. Like, <laughs> geez, and it's really fun to watch. Um, I can only say good things about him with the season he's had and the playoffs he's having. The guy is really good. What about you, Dream? Uh, yeah, Gapsy. I mean, he's arguably one of the best. He's arguably the best left wing in the game. I mean, he's right up there. And, uh, you know, playing behind him on the left side, it's just so easy. You just give it to him and you just watch him go. He takes care of the rest. Um, you know, he's an absolute tank and uh, he's arguably the most important piece to this team. Yeah, absolutely. He's been a huge cog for you guys. And that top line, when you put Duck up there with uh, Leveski, you guys look good. <laughs> so after yeah, they the, played uh, very well together. Yeah. After the comeback, were you guys like pretty pumped? How was the locker room after that? I assume you guys were pretty pretty excited. Oh, it, it was incredible. We opened the party, like, you know, the Xbox party. And a lot yeah. of people just joined us. And it was really, like, it was a really good feeling. Everyone was so hyped. Like, we could see and also in our Discord... Everyone was like, bang, let's go, woo, and all of these <laughs> things. Like, it was so cool to see. That's awesome. That goes far, especially in the future rounds. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like we have some momentum. Like, you know, like we said earlier, three wins in a row with no goals allowed. I feel like we're going to bring that momentum in the next round. Boys are buzzing. Oh, Anything yeah. you'd like to add, Dream? Uh, no, nah, pretty much what Duck said. I mean, boys were just ecstatic. Like I said, the whole the whole playoff series, we pretty much, the locker room was pretty good in general. Um, yeah, obviously going down 3-1, like we said earlier, was a little tough. But, um, 
you know, the boys, they, they're a close-knit unit right now, and uh, it's really nice to see. You need that this time of the season. So, um, yeah, we're, sure. we're excited. All right, so, yeah, and obviously coming out as quickly as you guys did in a Game 7 can really alleviate the pressure. I think you guys had two goals in the first three minutes. I mean, like, in, in the first two plays, we tied yeah. them up, and we had two goals. Like, yeah. like Plevsky tied them up, like, twice in a row. And we went in their zone and we scored like the both times. <laughs> right. Yeah. Boys are buzzing. Oh yeah. All right. So uh, moving ahead, that was a great, great upset. Definitely. Uh, you guys were not, you were in the minority as far as the community voting. So it's always good to prove those guys wrong. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. looking ahead, you guys have a tough matchup with Tampa Bay. I think the one thing that I took from your first round series besides you guys coming back from the three to one deficit is both your goalies are sitting at a 90 save percentage heading into round two. That's fucking nuts. Uh, Sorokin presumably will be a Vesna candidate and duck. You've been extremely supportive of shooters game all season. How comforting is it knowing you have two guys that could possibly steal a game for you at any time? Oh yeah. Both of these guys are so good. It, it's actually crazy, but like, yeah, like it feels really good. They both calm us. And it helps us stay in, like, minded and play, like, our game. Because, you know, like, some teams might have, like, a shaky second goalie. And, like, they come in the game and they're, they'd be like, ooh, we don't know what to expect out of him. But, like, with like with both of our goalies, we know what to expect. And, like, they're going to show us, like, what they're able every game. It's crazy. No um, doubt. Yeah, and both are facing a lot of shots and are always able to keep us in the games, which is huge. Yeah, and for you, Dream, it must be like a defenseman's dream knowing you got a guy like Sorokin and Shooter behind you because even if you do happen to trip up on one play in a game, you got those guys able to pick you up, huh? Oh, no doubt. Um, Sorokin, he had a fantastic season. I think he had like an 83, 84 save percentage during the regular season. I yeah, mean, correct. Whenever you needed a, a big save, he was always there. And then uh, the rookie Shooter, I mean, we didn't. I didn't know too much about him until we called him up and uh, – I mean, he's been lights out. He's been phenomenal. Not many people know who he is. I think during the regular season, I I think he had an 80-81 save percentage. Uh, I could be wrong. but No, you're correct he again. Also, yep. He also played very well. And uh, in the playoffs, he showed up again. So, um, you know, he's making a name for himself as a rookie. And, uh, you know, having both these guys, is it, it's it's really great, honestly. So you guys have a tougher matchup. Uh, for round two with Tampa Bay Lightning. What are you guys expecting from this squad? I mean, this squad is really good all around. Like, we, like they have some powerhouse on offense and defense, like Blur, like on the first like line with Hoggy, which is huge. And then on the second line, we have um, an eSport line with uh, Stashny and Fort. They always play together, which is huge. They have chemistry. So I feel like I expect some big games for sure. Uh, yeah, pretty much the same thing. This Tampa team is another deep team, another uh, star-studded team as well, like like Blur and Fourth Line and all them. Um, you know, this is going to be another tough series that we'll have to we'll have to grind and uh, try to pull out some tough wins. No doubt, boys. Uh, is there something that you guys think you do well as a team that could pose a risk to to a uh, really deep Tampa team? Um. Well. I'll... All I could say, like I discussed with Dream earlier, all I could say about it is we're all in. We're going all in. Like we have nothing to prove. Yes. 
You guys are playing with house money. That's for damn sure. I know, Duck. When you uh, when you started making all your moves, man, that's exactly what you said. Is that you were going all in? So I'm glad to see it's paid off, man. Oh yeah, a lot of moves, and uh, I'm happy with how it resulted. Absolutely. What about you, Dream? Uh, just what Duck said. We discussed it earlier because it, it was a good question. Um, yeah, I mean the team mentality. It's really good right now, as we mentioned plenty of times earlier, and. Uh, yeah, playing with house money a bit, but, you know, we do have confidence in ourselves, too. So, um, you know, just the team unity and team defense, too, because I think we put that on display against Boston for the most part. So, so uh, NACL seemed to almost limit the Lightning's top line to play in both games three and four uh, last series, uh, you know, resulting in them going down by two on Sunday and having even on Monday. So will you guys be expecting to see that again this series and try to get a jump on them, or are you going to try and play it a different way? I mean, Toronto sent their first uh, again. Yeah. The Tampa sent their third line both right. games, which was the right thing to do, in my opinion. I, but I'm not a hundred percent sure they played both game three and four because of NACL. But they won this series in six, winning four games in a row. Maybe it was yes. like a part of their plan. I don't know. Who knows? Right. Yeah. For sure. Dream. You have anything to add there? Um, well, the first two games in our series, obviously, the Lightning have home ice advantage. So, you know, we can't line match or anything those first two games. But uh, we're just going to try and take it one game out of a time, one game at a time, like we did when, in the yeah. Boston series. So that's that's all we can really say about it. For sure, boys. So, uh, kind of just touched on it a little bit ago, Duck. But great job mm-hmm. on turning over your roster. Seems like the guys are really uh, gelling and peaking at the right time. Who are some of the guys you brought to this team that you think brought it to like the next level that you were you were wanting to see making all these acquisitions? Well, first, thank you. And, um, well, secondly, I'd say, like, I don't know if you remember, but I lost Green Salt earlier this season. I do, yep. Mm-hmm. That was a big loss. He was playing really mm-hmm. well for you guys. Yeah, it was basically our Game 7 right, D. Um, well, after his loss, I was able to grab Tool, who is freestyle. Mm-hmm. He's been really good for us. And, and, like, you know, all season long, we had, like, a shaky third line who was getting us, like, maybe a win per two weeks. <laughs> it right. was yeah. it was weird. But, like, also by getting, like, a group of friends for my third line was great. They went 4-2-0 and in the last two weeks when I acquired them. Uh, and, well, by this time, I'm talking about, like, Dradra, Stein, Zveshny, who are three friends who play together all the time. Um, also, by getting uh, Dangle and Verratti, like, these two have been really good for me, like, securing, like, the right wing spots. Uh, like, you know, I'm on the first line, but, like, these guys are playing really good right wing mm-hmm. for the two other lines. And, but I feel like every player that I've required, like, helped the team in a good way, which is amazing. Right, so I guess, Dream, I'll ask you this. Uh, is there a certain guy that Duck brought in that kind of surprised you as far as his impact down the stretch? Um, I don't know if I'd say so much surprise. I think, uh, you know, when we picked up Tool, we knew we were getting a solid D-man. Um, we needed to figure out that third line, as Duck said as well. Um, they played, shout out to them too for that first round. They played uh, Boston's top line two games in a row, and uh, they damn near won both of them, let alone one of them, so... Um, you know, those guys can grind. Like you said, they have a lot of chemistry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much what Duck said. So who are some of the guys who uh, were there a majority of the season? Sorry, I can't speak. 
Um, <laughs> were there anyone that had a bigger part of the chord than you had anticipated? Anyone that came out and really surprised you guys? Uh, you mean that's been here for the whole season? Yeah, yeah or at least the majority of it. Yeah. Um, I would say guys like Crazy Joe and Gerby. I mean, these are two guys that are 500K contracts. And uh, Crazy Joe, I, th- I believe early in the season, he played a couple weeks. He was, I think he was a part of the third line. I don't remember. We mm-hmm. were kind of shifting yeah. that third line. But then I put him next to me and playing next to him, I'm like, okay, he's he's a lot better than 500K, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and he's he's been a rock there. I mean, you know, deciding that game seven lineup against Boston, I mean, yeah, Tool, you know, people know him and he's a good D-man. But it wasn't easy to just take Joe out either because he's playing, he's been playing fantastic all season. He's been really, he's been a rock next to me. And, uh, you know, same thing with Gerby. Gerby kind of had some ups and downs, but in this playoff series, he kind of looked rejuvenated too, uh, especially in that game six. He was using his little build. And he's just flying around <laughs> the ice past all these big guys of Boston. And uh, I think he had three points in that game. So he's, mm-hmm. you know, two 500K guys producing far greater than their value uh, on the site anyways on the, uh, the contract value. No doubt. Especially I, now that I mentioned, you guys keep bringing up Tool, a.k.a. Freestyle. He was uh, – uh, my owner the one season I was AHL management for him too how big has it been for him as far as playing at the level he is uh on his offhand he's playing right D where he's usually a lefty I mean he played um I think it was in esports this season he played a lot of right D and he seemed to like it a lot right and he played a lot of club with uh our third line uh on right D since you know Zveshny is the lefty yeah. and he enjoyed it so that's just some good information that you had before making the acquisition, honestly. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, because, you know, we've been buddies since maybe season 29, season 30, when I was in the AHL and he was in the NHL. And um, I don't know, like, I knew, like, I, I texted him and he, he was like, yeah, uh, when I acquired him, I mean. And he's like, yeah, I can play both hands. I'm like, all right, that's awesome. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Big X factor coming in and helping <laughs> you guys win the series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm not expecting you guys to predict your own series. Uh, you can if you'd like, but care to comment on the other three series? Maybe give me your prediction and a few reasons why. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to talk about our series. We're just going to leave it there. Sure. But I'm going to talk about uh, the, like the, the East, like mm-hmm. the other East matchup. Um Carolina and New Jersey. Like, I don't know much about Carolina since, you know, they are basically all PSN players. I know they're good, but I don't know, like, what they're capable of. I played them, I think, once this season or twice. And it was uh, Jakku's line, like, boat games. So, like, I know how Jakku plays, but I don't know, like, the rest of the team. Um, But I know that the Devils have a good team. In my opinion... Like, the devil is going to take it in six. Okay. 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 Yeah. For the West Coast? Uh, for the West, uh, I'm going to go with um, Chicago and Winnipeg matchup. Okay. Um, I think even with all the offense both teams have, I feel we'll rely on defense right. in this series. Yeah, that's and, been pretty yeah. common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Chicago might have the best decor in the league. Absolutely. I see them win it in six games as well. Okay. And for the Edmonton and Seattle. Uh, well, in my opinion, Edmonton got the easiest matchup in the Western Conference in round one. 
like yeah. sh- shout out to uh, Daddy Rise Back and everyone like on the Canucks. But I feel like you guys were the weakest team out of the eight on the Western Conference. But, and yeah, and I don't see Edmonton past Seattle's powerhouse. Even like if Seattle had a rough like round one series against Arizona, sh- shout out to them. But I see uh, Seattle one in five against Edmonton. Right. Okay. Perfect. What about you, Dream? You there? Did we lose him? Yep. Oh, sorry. You guys oh. can you guys hear me? <laughs> yeah, we can hear you, buddy. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I think my headset disconnected for a second. Oh, um, good. Yeah, for the other matchups, <clears throat> I'm not going to talk about our series like uh, like Buck said, but uh, smart for the other for the <laughs> for the other matchups. Uh, I mean, the Devils and Hurricanes. I mean, that's going to be a very hard fought series. Those are two very good teams. Um, they're both deep. Uh, I, I, I think the Devils will win it in seven. I think it'll come down to a game seven, and uh, you know the Devils have, I think, a majority of that Phantoms line, so I think they'll be able to pull it out in seven. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the other for the West, I think Seattle probably in like five. I think their first round, their first round matchup was a little tricky because AZ DVO and the boys, um, but Seattle being the uh, the top team. You know, I think they got over that hump, so I think now they could probably let loose a little bit and just, you know, pedal to the metal. And then Winnipeg and Chicago, another great series. I think there's a lot of offense against a lot of defense as well. Um, Chicago has obviously good forwards as well. It's not like they're all defense. Um, I think Chicago will probably win this in probably six or seven. Yeah, yeah. So you and I were about uh, – we were all – on the same page, I think um, Duck and Jiren agreed on Carolina. Or, uh, no, 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 I went uh, for the Devils. Oh no, okay, so I, I read that backwards. Yeah, my my <laughs> bad. But uh, yeah, everybody seemed to be a little less generous than us as far as the Edmonton Seattle series. I do agree with you guys. I think this is a much easier matchup than their first round series. I think Seattle's probably licking their chops, but at the same time, probably being cautiously optimistic after seeing how. They were almost down and out in round one. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that Chicago-Winnipeg series will be pretty interesting. I think, like you guys mentioned, everyone keeps saying defense is the uh, the common theme of that series. And, you know, obviously Chicago's top four is incredible. So I think that will be yeah. a really fun series. I do want to kind of start some shit and, you know, stir it up a little bit with you guys. We had Augie on about two hours ago, and he said that um, he expects their guys to win every game so he said, basically said, you know, in four. So I just want, obviously you guys just mentioned your Discord being uh, a tight-knit group and everything. So give the boys a little bulletin board material, okay? Yep. Well, we'll see what happens there. Augie, yeah, one game if at you're time, listening right? to this, if you're listening to this, watch out, boy. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, boys. All well, right. I, wish you, I wish you guys the uh, best of luck facing off against Tampa. Hope to see a back and forth series with it going all the way, especially with the fire uh, with the firepower that you guys both uh, possess. And uh, do you guys have any last words? Not really. Um, yeah, just thanks for having us on the show. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Fan. I've watched most of the podcast or listened to most of the podcast, so this is definitely a fun time. Absolutely, I really I was gonna on uh, my little closing on. thoughts for you, uh, Dream. I really appreciate you reaching out, Dream, and then I appreciate it even more getting Duck to come on the show as well. I wasn't expecting you to do that, and it was it made for some good uh, some good talk here. I really enjoyed this. Absolutely, no problem. 
All right, boys. Absolutely. I'm going to go watch my Lions fuck up the draft. You guys enjoy the rest of your (laughs) evening. (laughs) And you guys, uh, good luck next. Yeah, good luck next week, boys. All right. Thank you. Take it easy, fellas. All right, boys. Another long episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the recap, and I hope you enjoyed our uh, predictions for the second round, both mine and Jiren's, as well as uh, our guests, Augie, Dreamkiller, and Duck. I want to thank those guys so much for hopping on. Really good interviews with those boys. I know you guys will enjoy them. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, Next week it will be a look at the conference finals and a recap of round two. Down the field and game, the Lions victory.